I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Hi, Steve. Good morning, Pete. How are you this morning, Steve? I'm wide awake. It's been a it's been a while. It's it's been it's, a long it's been time. since 2019. Why haven't you been uh, hanging out with us? What have you been doing? Uh, let's see. Well, it's just one thing after another. It's just one more kind of movie experience party <laughs> after another that you throw. Well, let's see what because what what was the December film board? Did I miss? Oh, I missed out on that fun. Yes, that was uh-huh. thankful. I did not. <laughs> Don't, get drawn into that debate really because no, we're all past that now we're all past that that was <laughs> that was we? so last year that was so last year you know, we're, we're yes. not even although well we can get into news and things with that uh all but right. uh then i had right after right at the start of the new year i was on a trip with some friends a bunch of us guys what did a 
trip up to Park City, Utah to do some snowboarding over a long weekend. So Excellent. my first time on a snowboard and I came home all in one piece. Nothing broken, nothing hey, spring. Had a great, Good great time up there. And then um, I think the last time we were recording, it's just, you know, um, end of, end of uh, you know, winter breaks for kids. And so spending some family time together before sending the old one back to college. So it's just been, you know, relaxing family time has kept me away from you guys because, you know, you guys are such a nightmare to work with. I had to, you know, <laughs> get away. You gotta take an extended, yeah, extended well, break. Yeah, well, yes, because the more of a sabbatical. Yes, there we go. Uh, <laughs> and it, catching up on movies. Uh, you know, I now yeah. that the nominations are out, I'm in a pretty good position where there's only three of the best picture nominees that I have not seen. So I'm not in furious catch-up mode over the next couple of weeks. I've got a few that I can get around to and I have a plan that I can make that work. So I'm, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about my movie viewing it's, habits right now. Uh, I'm, well, I'm happy for you. I, it, it's a funny year, right? I feel like um, the, the there was a funny headline. I can't remember who posted it. It was uh, Maybe it was Ray in the, in the community who said you know, the Oscars are really bucking tradition by uh, picking or nominating films that people have actually seen. <laughs> And yes, uh, I uh, I'm definitely in that camp. I think this is as, as prepared as I have been for an Academy Awards in, in you know, at, between nomination and actually uh, watching the the ceremony as ever. And I care the least about it that I've ever cared. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just yes. uh, why now? Really? Yes. Why not when I was 22 and following <laughs> feverishly? Um, so anyhow, it's looking looking pretty good. I've I, this I've been. I have a new pledge. I've been I've been trying to to review the movies that I watch as I watch them. I saw and that. I have been terrible yeah. about that. Oh well terrible. So you, you have you you have to do what's right for you because we cannot all aspire to the Nick Langdon, you know, detailed essay review that, you know, is Whenever I review a movie that that Nick has reviewed, I read his review. A lot of times I will just reference him and say, well, I liked it. Read, read, Nick. read Nick. Or, <laughs> yeah, I had issues. Go to him for the details on this. because Well, that's yeah. why I would say, Steve, that we can aspire to doing those kinds of reviews for every movie we watch. I don't, for sure. Uh, and But but I'm finding, and maybe you uh, uh, are in this camp, I'm finding that as the years go by and the number of movies that I watch increase, like I'm just forgetting i'm confusing them and i want to be able to go back into a record somewhere and just remind myself now wait how did i feel about that one really um that for example i watched the captive uh and wrote a little review in it. and i was i was super disappointed in that movie but it is a movie that does in fact star the shining uh star of hollywood ryan reynolds I might look at that poster in five years and see that brooding Ryan Reynolds bearded <laughs> winter face and be like, oh, that's Rai Rai. I loved that movie. I didn't love that movie. It's not a good movie. Uh, and uh, so I feel like I need a record. I need to have a record uh, in place. So I have been I, I've been just trying to to stay on top of the movies that I'm watching and movies that I have already seen that I just want to watch again and get those reviews reviews in so you know i i took care of uh joker which actually it was one i hadn't seen so i watched joker i watched logan lucky and book smart and hereditary that started a whole thing i've now watched all of ari aster's uh films and shorts and i've done the whole catalog so i feel like i know where i stand there um and uh, the captive um 
And uh, what else? Noel, Rendezvous. I mean, I've just really tried to, this week was just like, I'm going to start a new thing. When I turn something on, I'm going to get it reviewed. And it, it feels pretty good so far. Oh, it, it feels yeah, pretty good. I, I tried, I think 2019 was the year that I tried to be more consistent with writing reviews. Because if I go back to 2018, I may have just been giving star reviews in Letterboxd, but not really writing down my thoughts. And and it's for the same reason that, yes, in five years when I look back, oh, how did I feel about that? I'm not going to remember. And so with my reviews, sometimes I get really inspired to, to have something to say. Other times I'm quite meh about a film and that's that's what my review is going to say yeah it was a solid three-star movie that's about it because i can't think of anything else to say and i just don't i don't feel motivated to delve into it if it doesn't really touch me that way and so but that's enough for me to know when i go back and say oh well i was really indifferent about this movie okay well do i need to revisit it now maybe not that that is really my trick yeah. is just do I have enough in here even if I just leave myself like a hidden joke mm-hmm. like uh, if I'm something that I'm going to get that yes. reminds me not to watch this movie again like for example the strange thing about the Johnsons I'm not probably going to revisit that movie yeah. it's a short I'm still not going to revisit it but uh, <laughs> it it needed to have a note as- assigned to it so that's my that's my real goal I want to end it was it was the letterboxed year in, personal year in review okay. when uh, we everybody started sharing screenshots of their uh of their letterboxed oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, stats and i mean as somebody who's been doing this podcast for you know 90 some odd years it feels like i should have a little bit greater momentum in, in letterbox <laughs> so i've been really kind of taking the pulse of the community trying to figure out who has some best practices that i can i can adopt i can be better at this uh and uh, start getting some more thoughts out. Okay. So that's what the big year okay. is. Okay. Write more reviews. And I think you you need to join me. I, I will work on that. Because well, you yeah. you asked about habits. And so I I try to I hit the flick chart right away because sometimes okay. sometimes when I'm not sure when I'm I'm thinking about it, not necessarily in terms of star rating, but just like, well, how do I really feel about this film? Like, yes, I enjoyed it. And this, I guess, is for more of those three-star films in the middle where I'm not like, oh my gosh, this is a great film or that was a waste of time. Something in the middle. Going through the flick chart will sort of give me that, it sort of primes the pump there because as I'm ranking it against things, it gives me a sense of, well, it's better than this. It gives me a, a reference point for writing that review of how I really feel about it right after watching it. And so the the flick charting just helps me just maybe solidify some some feelings about it. And then it gives me that momentum to to dig into a review a little bit because it, it forces me to make those choices. Well, like, how do I feel about this compared to, you know, Mad Max Fury Road? Okay. Then mm-hmm. I can, I can talk about that. And sometimes that keys some thoughts. So that's, I, as soon as I finish it, if I can, if, you know, when I get home from the theater, try to, you know, crack open the laptop, sit down, flick chart it, and then we'll open up the letterbox and, and start jotting down some ideas. So that's because mm-hmm. if I don't do it right away, I'm not coming back to it. You know, I know some people will yeah. will give it some time. I will forget. I will have other things that come up and I just won't get back to it. So if I don't do it immediately, I know it's it's not going to show up. So that's that's been my habit for the past probably I think year. It was just get it get it flick charted and then get get the letterbox, you know, something written down. See, that I I find that aspirational. Just that is uh, I think <laughs> something I can really live with. Although I I'll tell you, it has been unnatural for me to go to flick chart lately and that's a little bit frustrating but it's not because i don't like i i, I don't want to get the movies yeah. in there it's because the site has been so 
impossible oh, yes. to navigate. Yeah. It has been so slow for me this week that I just, I, the movies I'm watching are not getting updated in there. It's just, it has become uh, a, a real circus. I don't know how Andy does it when we do the show. Like, <laughs> it, 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 like why, how does it not take an hour of our recording time just to run stinking flick chart? It's so frustrating. Because he's so, got connections to um, a dedicated flick chart server somewhere. I, know, must, I don't know. He has a flick chart DNS. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's he's already in the he's in the server. It's it's actually running under his yes. desk. Actually, <laughs> it's in the box under his desk. Do we have any news? Oh, there's I've that, got a whole, we need to, whole bunch. You got of a raft. I've got All well, right. I've got I've got my Star Wars news because there's a couple things uh, that have come up just within the past couple of days. The first is that, um, and I think there was already some talk about this on Discord of uh, Disney has announced that Taika Waititi has been attached to a Star Wars project. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that too. And I think it is, uh, of course, no one knows if this is a feature film, if this is something for Disney Plus, but, you know, he is, you know, sort of in the Disney camp having done, you know, Thor Ragnarok for Marvel, Disney, and I believe he ap- directed an episode he's in, of Mandalorian. He directed an episode. And he's in Mandalorian. And like he's he is in, a character in yes. Mandalorian. So I think what the possibilities are it's i am thinking probably something on disney plus because it it seems to fit with his style and i think they're gonna i i'm hoping they're gonna take a little break from what they're doing on the big screen and and come up with a a plan and and look at what worked for marvel of having the large large picture mapped out if you're going to launch into a series of films plan this thing out from the get-go of let's have a completed arc and then go into it rather than sort of winging it i guess you know to Mm -hmm. to wrap something up which leads me into the second piece of star wars news which is um there are now bits and pieces of story about the colin trevorrow script of what his initial Star Wars story was going to be. And again, it's on the internet. I don't know how much has been verified, but you know, the fact that Finn and Rose, there was a whole huge chunk of the story about them. Uh, I think that the the title was Duel of the Fates. So there's, of course, I, I'm waiting for, you know, the fans to demand that, you know, they go back and actually make that movie. Uh, but it's speaks to the power of these stories and I think the fan fiction that is out there, it's like, you know, you if the producers of the content do not deliver what you want, go create your own. If you've got that story to tell, go do it. There's a whole internet out there that in communities that will embrace that and celebrate that. And you'll you'll be able to put that into your head and replace the things that you did not like <laughs> about Rise of Skywalker. And you can say, no, no, this is how the story ends. This is really how it ends. We don't have yeah. we don't have a, a puppeteer a Palpatine you know dancing around in a fleet of imaginary ships. No, no, no. That's that was all a dream. This is the true <sighs> ending of the Star Wars trilogy. Wow, I, I missed a, a lot of of the hue and cry because I kind of took myself out of the conversation. Oh, <laughs> it oh, was sure. one of those where yeah. where it, you know I I feel like what we I was judging it on what we got. Knowing in the back of my mind that I could take part in the political conversation yeah. and the fandom, the poison fandom conversation anytime, because it's all back there. I got it. Oh, yeah. I know the language. But I, I this is the Pete chooses joy uh, mm-hmm. 
strategy for for Star Wars, and I just wanted to to enjoy the pointy uh, pointy bang bang parts, and and I did. Um, <laughs> yes. Do do I like the Mandalorian more? Yeah, uh, ultimately I do. And is the bar pretty low for the Mandalorian to to cruise over? Yeah, it's pretty. It's already pretty low. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like the Mandalorian a lot. I'm just saying the bar was already pretty low. Yeah. Um, But, uh, and, and, uh, you know, what's interesting, uh, it's the J.J. Abrams thing. I I feel like I, I was able to come to terms with the movie that we got because I changed the way I understand J.J. Abrams. And what I had in my head of J.J. Abrams was that we were going to need an auteur filmmaker name for him. That, like, you know, in the early days, I had such high hopes for his foray into filmmaking. I really did. And I, I realize now that those hopes were misplaced and that actually he's a utility guy right yeah. it's it's okay yeah. to let go of the mystery box and just know that he's going to come together and do what the and execute the marching orders that he's given and it'll be flashy and it'll have a tone and a feel I, i'll know a jj abrams film but not necessarily because of its inherent uh mystique but just because of its workmanlike uh, presence on screen and yes. maybe that's okay and uh yeah because yeah. you know we we all need a little bit of ron howard you know yes yes exactly so it's fine it's fine it's just it's fine. Um and and that's where where I sort of leave it. I I there's part of me that really wants to click download and just read this script. Yeah. <laughs> the tool that fades. <laughs> yeah. I have decided not to do that. I'm moving on. No, it is and it's okay. And I I have as a family we started getting into the Mandalorian. I think we are maybe halfway in and uh, it does take us a little bit longer to get through an episode because that darn baby Yoda uh, just every time he comes on screen, my daughter's like, he's so cute. I know. I'm like, okay, when, when you have to stop the show to cry, uh, <laughs> that darn, the, that darn child, that I know. kid. Yes. But it's I, pretty good. I know. And I, um, yeah. And I think it was the best outcome was for me to watch that after the whole Skywalker saga to say, okay, mm-hmm. that's done. Now I can move forward in what is next for the Star Wars universe. And I can go into this and not be expecting or thinking about what are, what are connections that may be there um, or anything like that. Just say that chapter is closed. I'm moving forward. And this is the Mandalorian. This is a new story in this chunk of the universe uh, and and take that for what it is. Well, I think that's a really good point and a great perspective that, in fact, Mandalorian is exactly what I feel like I and and maybe generously we have been asking for, uh, which is just show us what's going on in another part of the galaxy, right? Yes. Show us what's yes. going on somewhere else. Not everything has to be connected, even sort of parenthetically, to a Skywalker. Yes. And uh, yes. I feel like I was looking forward to that with Rogue One, um, it, knowing full well what where Rogue One sort of took place uh, and it it didn't live up to 
that bar for me. Like it, it, it was still, I think, a great movie, and I loved it. But it yeah. was, it was not the movie that I that I wanted. And then Solo, I think, is is the closest to what what I had been, gotten in in what I wanted out of ultimately what I got in the Mandalorian. Solo was closer to that because it was showing me a, a part of the galaxy that I'd never seen before. But it was still, yeah. it was yeah. Han Solo. Like he's part of the problem. Let's move on. Right. Uh, and so um, I, I think Mandalorian is is an answer to um, sort of a, a, a fan's prayer for something new in this universe that I do love. And so it took me a little bit to get to get into it. I was uh, but but now I'm a I'm a fan. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm eager to see what the next uh, set, the, the next trilogy is, the yeah. non Skywalker trilogy. I'm eager to see what they do and how they introduce us to some new characters. And I have a feeling that all of the uh, uh, that this next trilogy, whatever happens, will be very well architected. I have to yes. imagine yes. that somebody has listened to, uh, you know, the the challenges of the fans around this this trio of films not being very well architected. So, well, as, as I recall, back when we were discussing the Last Jedi and the film board, that was one of the things that you. That was part of your response to that was it was taking those first steps in that new direction. Yeah. And I think now we we really have a sharp break for that. And I think whatever they do, they can do without a lot of worrying about appeasing the fans because we're dealing with new characters. And so it is a universe. And for those diehard fans that are into all the books and all of all of that canon material, there will be some of those. But I think in general, those that are just fans of the movies, we're going in with far less preconceived note uh, expectations of of what this story is doing or, or character arcs, you know, of, of what we wa- want to see these happen to these characters because it's going to be something completely new. Everybody was, you know, invested in what was going to, where were we going to go with Han, Luke, and Leia and, and were, mm-hmm. what we saw, you know, appease some people and not others, but now with a new story we're not tied to all that. So I think we won't have so much of the, well, we, we have to be loyal to the fan base. We've got to do something that's still, you know, open to to new fans and keeping everybody happy. It's an entirely new blank slate. They've got the rules of the universe sort of there. We've got some things that we need to make it a Star Wars story, but we don't have that passionate connection to beloved characters that can cause all those those problems with the fans. Steve, I swear to you, if we get to the next trilogy and the protagonist is Roe Dameron, Poe Dameron's estranged sister, <laughs> Uncle Peter is out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that's what we're, I think you can look at the Mandalorian as sort of the the test case for that, yeah. where it, yeah. you can say this feels like a Star Wars. Some this feels like a Star Wars story, and in many ways, what I think helps with that is they know what the inspiration was for George Lucas. They you know looked at what were the stories and myths that were influential in his construction of the Star Wars stories. And to, when you watch The Mandalorian, to say, oh, this is you can see the influence of like the westerns in there. You can see these influences that are there, and it's to me keeps Star Wars rooted in what its origins are is we've got a sci-fi universe, but we've got these great mythic 
stories, familiar archetypes, and they're there and it's doing a, it's doing a very good job of doing it in a very entertaining way. I'm on board. I'm yeah. on board with that. Yes. So more of that, please. Yes. Yes. Uh, what else is on your list? Uh, so we are in award season and I don't know if it's just the pocket of Twitter that I am in, um, but there's been a lot of conversation about uh, something from earlier this week where uh, star of the the great film Eighth Grade, Elsie Fisher, said, I've just started, decided to start my own film awards because sometimes other ones suck. So here's here are the nominations for the first annual Elsie Awards. And she even created some of her own <laughs> categories because you just, you know, in a good year, you might have to have a category for best young performers. Uh, and and to actually end up having it, the award be a tie between... Noah Jupe from Honey Boy and Roman Griffin Davis from Jojo Rabbit. She couldn't decide between, she had four nominees, but still had a tie for these. And yeah, so she has put together her own awards and it's been getting quite a bit of buzz from, I think even Reese Witherspoon commented about the, uh, the young performance saying, well, yeah, it doesn't, it make sense to have a young performer category. So you don't have these, you know, would it make sense to have Roman Griffin Davis going up against Joaquin Phoenix for an Oscar? No, that's right. ridiculous. Why not create, when appropriate, a young performer category? Oh, I love it. So, yeah, so she's got, uh, uh, she posted her nominees, and I think a couple of days later, she actually had the uh, awards and is working with a, a friend of hers who had, who's, uh, what is her name? Clemmy, uh, who has her own YouTube channel, and I think, who's, according to her Twitter bio, she's 16 or 17 years old, but she has edited together some really fabulous overviews of like 2019 films, 2018 films. So there's, there's this young generation of rabid film, film fans that really understand what quality film is. That's, you know, got a little pocket of Twitter there. That's uh, fascinating me right now. But again, as all listeners know, Hey, there's kids in high school. That's Steve's wheelhouse. He's going to be, have yeah. an affinity for that. But I, I love, God, see- I feel like we, this is the singularity <laughs> for you that we have it, kids it, who it, have just yes. created rage nominations to combat the oscars and it's about kids how do you get out of bed i don't know well and here's what really (laughs) grabbed my attention is so they've got their own thing going on and so this actually this was back in november so clementine narciss i guess is her name at clemmy on on uh twitter she put together her little edit of some of the decade's greatest films and that video got tweeted out by paste magazine so, wow. so, which again, you've got some, some kids that just are doing some things and you, you start getting attention of like celebrities like Reese Witherspoon or publications like Pace Magazine saying, Hey, these kids have some really interesting concepts or doing a really good job of recognizing quality art here. Um, it's, it's this next generation that's, that's coming up and grabbing things by the reins and saying, we're going to make this our own thing. And I'm excited wow. about that uh, because I think what we saw, some of the backlash against the the, the nominees this year, uh, well, it, is it Oscars So White Part 2 again this year? Is that, I think, yeah. is, is where we are. Um, and in the year where there were so many great films. And as I looked at the nominees for a lot of things, it's yeah, it's it's a little bit of deja vu on some things. Yeah. Um and you know, you, there are so many other great films out there. Um but what is it that makes room for those? And it, there are 
it's hard for me to be critical because I have to agree, looking at the Best Picture nominees, these are some really good and entertaining films. There have been years where it's like, well, yeah, those were okay films, but that's better than a lot of the other stuff we got. But this year, is, I'm, the, as I said, the fact that I've seen most of them, it, there, it was something that drew me to them. It wasn't like I went and said, well, this is going to clearly be Oscar bait. I better go see this. This is a story I wanted to see, and I managed to check all of these things out. So I think right now it's I've got to see Joker, Jojo Rabbit, and Little Women. So that's those are the three that are that are left for for me oh, to see. Man. And I, women. So, well, while I was out on my snowboarding trip, my wife and and daughters uh, went and saw Little Women. So they like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, they they yeah. they, they. It was funny because I had heard that there was some there was a different take on this story, and I thought, well, you're adapting a novel. What different things could you do? But I guess it does some. I guess they're flashbacks, but there's some jumping around in time. And it's, if it, at any point does Meg go up to Wayne Manor and put her fingers in but a I child's guess, mouth? But I guess the the issue is it's it's not really pointed out that we're making these jumps. There's no like titles that tell the year time, but we've got a character who's remembering things, and the only clues really are I guess the color palette shifts a little bit, the color tone on the film shifts, and hair length. You know, one of the characters is like, you know, hair shorter or longer. And so if you're not really paying attention, and apparently some of the people they saw it with who were maybe slightly older were a little confused as to what was going on in the story. Weren't we? Wasn't she just sick? Why is this going on? And so it's mm-hmm. it's subtle. Uh, so, And I, I don't know the story well enough to know what that, why that choice was made, you know, to, to do that sort of non-linear structure with that. Uh, it's not one I'm, you know, busting to, to get out to see because I, I know the story. Um, I am more excited about Jojo Rabbit to see that. Uh, and then after just seeing your, skimming over your review of Joker, I don't know that I need to because it seems like I know everything I need to know about that film. You do. It's overrated. <laughs> That it's about the performance, it's not the film, and yep. I'm like, I got other things. This is this is you got it. This is sort of my my goal for this year. Um, and Andy helped set the tone early on this year by challenging me to watch that horrible movie, Hard to Be a God, and that's three <laughs> hours long. And he only made it an hour. I made it about an hour. And in all honesty, really, you guys chickened out. Oh, I got no, through no. the whole thing. I think it was because of Nick Langdon again. I think did, he, you, that you, was what not you, a great experience. Wait, you you did go through all three hours of that? I did. Because I did. It took I, me I seventeen that. days. I, <laughs> Because I watched it on Canopy, and after about 45 minutes, I look over it, and I, this is one of the things I love about Canopy for when I do Trailer Rewind. If I need to go back and revisit a movie, I can, just like on a podcast, move crank that speed up to like 1.5. So yeah. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of slow walking through mud, and I'm like, let me just bump this up to 1.5, and maybe, maybe this will make it less painful to watch. And I got to a point where I... Just as Andy had said, he he read on Wikipedia what the story was about. He's watching this, and I'm I'm thinking, yeah, I I have other things that I can do with my time. If there are so many other movies to watch that I need to get to, I don't have the time for another two hours of yeah. this. And I appreciated the style of it, and I 
it perhaps if I had read the novel, but I it just what I just wasn't connecting with what the filmmaker was trying to say. And I said, you know, I I'm not a completionist. I can walk away from a movie saying I get the gist of it. It's not for me. And I'm gonna go on, particularly when it's three hours. Yeah, it's a lot of life yeah. to give yeah. up for this movie, especially when you I mean, I tell you, the the hanging of the intellectuals. I mean, just the whole that it was there is just some some disquieting stuff in this movie but um you know it's one of those things that i'm it's it is in the collection of films that i am i am glad to have watched and i yeah. did not enjoy the experience of of watching it i'm i absolutely uh, uh you know i'm i feel like i'm giving honor to the to um you know the 15 years that it took him to figure mm-hmm. out how to make this movie and sure. that he it, it, and his death is untimely death around it like it was there there are reasons to honor that it is still up on canopy i just checked that's where i watched it too oh, yeah and um uh so you know if you haven't seen it it's a very difficult thing to to uh watch but um certainly I- I love the concept of it, of this idea yeah. of here's this planet where basically the Renaissance doesn't happen and intellectuals, that's, you know, it's those are, it's a bad thing and all of this. I, I love that idea of sort of a thought experiment of what would happen to our world if we, you know, pushed aside, you know, progress, science and learning yeah. and what would that, what would that do to a society? And I, I think there's interesting concepts within that and particularly when you think about the, you know, when this novel is written and the culture that it was written, there's a lot of layers of things going on there. And that's why I thought this, I'm going to love digging into this, but I just, yeah, it's really, really tough. And honestly, when I have to manage my time, I, for, for Christmas, I got my uh, criterion edition of uh, Vim vendors until the end of the world, which is the like (laughs) four hour version. And I have not seen this movie in a long time. And of course, you know, the theatrical release here was like just a little over two hours. So I've got to find time for the, whatever, four, four and a half hours of until the end of the world. That's that I'd rather spend my time on that on a Saturday afternoon then select you know going through the mud and bodily fluids mm-hmm. <laughs> of well, hard to make, be a god I, I just want to make one more stupid intellectual point about hard to be a god and the thing that i really appreciate about it and and i think that i honestly i might enjoy watching it more now uh than even i did you know i can't remember when i watched it three years ago something like that and and so and that is that it is a story that is ultimately about a a uh, this other planet that is identical to ours but they have it it's not that they pushed aside you know science and all this yeah. and, and math it's like they never reached it they right. stalled yeah. in the dark ages and that mm-hmm. is the lesson of today right mm-hmm. what happens when you yeah. stall in the darkest point of of sort of humanity's appreciation of its own greatness right. and you never quite get to the point to see what's on the other side of that mountain and and that's what this movie is about it's incredibly difficult to watch but the lesson there i think is is one that's that's at least it's worth thinking about so you know watch the trailer and then go have a drink yeah. and talk about it with somebody yeah. else oh yeah because um, it's important oh it, it is and I, I said it's one of these things where i think i can say not 
for me, a younger me probably would have made the time to do that. Who I'm just... are we kidding, Steve? A younger you is taking these video cassettes and putting them in like the planes, trains, and automobiles boxes. That's what a younger you is doing. Yes, that's true. All right, I I fear that you and I could talk about that particular yeah. film uh, all night, but I think we should uh, we should move on at least uh, a little bit gracefully to to trailers. I think we should, yeah. Let's do trailers. <laughs> you you just, yeah, you pick your trailer and then everybody else is talking about this trailer. <laughs> like somebody's like, this is going to be a trailer we ride. This is a bonkers trailer. I can't wait to see this movie. And I thought, what did Pete pick? Because I have not heard of this thing. And that was that was a oh. curse of timing. And I sometimes yeah. I worry about that because I post it in our, it, we have like a back channel for, for yeah. you know, yeah. the, the Saturday matinee when we, we post all these things for each other. And the timing was so perfect. I mean, I think oh I posted it like at, at 930 at night and then the next day yeah. uh, it shows up everywhere. It just kind of blew up. Uh, I... Um, I can't even remember how it crossed my feeds and the the um, I I have I run my little Google search right or now it's Google search on YouTube I have a saved filter bookmark yeah. that just shows me all trailers current year movie trailers that have been posted in the last seven days so I can just click on that and see all the current movie trailers and that one was just brand new so um, I'm talking about of course Guns Akimbo. Uh, a 2019 action comedy film written and directed by Jason Leigh Howden. It stars it stars Daniel Radcliffe with guns bolted to his hands. <laughs> yes. Now, I this movie could very much turn into this year's Johnny Mnemonic. I it it is. <laughs> It's crazy. Like, I also loved the trailer for Johnny Mnemonic, and I love the trailer for Guns uh, Kimbo. It, it, it is, um, it could also turn out terrible, but the trailer is very, it, it's very funny, very dark, very violent. Uh, there is a, um, it, it's a, there's a video game, uh, or it's a, a sort of dark web internet game where you're just assigned to go fight other strangers across the city and it's all broadcast on the internet and so daniel radcliffe's character gets gets roped into this and like uh let's just say ready player one there's already a strong female character who's in the film and she's an expert at wielding all of her tools of death and they pair up and they fight gangs and all this and the gang's known as schism yes which i think is amusing um I uh, I find myself really attracted to these sort of frenetic action films, and um, I, it's it's one that you know when it goes from the violence of and the action of the the gunslinging scenes to watching Radcliffe with his hands bolted to guns try to open a door. Uh, I was I was smitten. I <laughs> was absolutely up, smitten. Or pull up his pants because that's one of those <laughs> things where you like he wakes yeah. up with the guns bolted to his hands. And I'm thinking. Hey, he he can't do ordinary daily tasks. This is, but I I'm assuming the idea is he's an unwilling participant. So they've got to make sure he can't put the guns down. He's always yes, and it, it's going to create all kinds of great moments where you know, he just walks out on the street. He's got guns in his hands. The police are around. He's got to figure things out. But it, it, yes, from from the sort of screen capture there on on youtube it's like here's daniel radcliffe with these guns i'm thinking oh okay it's an action thing i had no idea the ridiculous comic element 
to this movie. And I'm so glad they embraced it because the, the concept is so ridiculous. Yeah. I th- it was several years ago. There was the one with, what was it? Uh, Nerve with uh yeah, it's exactly with, what yes. i was thinking about was, yeah they, they took mm-hmm. that and said this film takes itself too seriously let's let's really have fun with this and just go to 11 and all yeah. all the right places with this and this looks like a tremendous amount of fun yes when can we enjoy this well i do want to just point out yeah. jason lee howden i mean he hasn't yeah. done uh this I, I believe is his first um his first feature no he did deathgasm which oh, I did not yeah. no, see. I don't, never even heard of that. Yeah, it was 2015. But okay. if you look at his resume, the guy has, uh, he has been on the visual effects department. It looks like he comes out of Weta Digital um, and has worked on visual uh, effects for everything from Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, The Avengers, Prometheus, Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, uh, The Hobbit, Unexpected Journey. He is, uh, it, oh, it, it seems oh. like his expertise is in rotoscoping. He's done a lot of rotoscope artistry, um, uh, but visual effects in uh, uh, across a number of the contractor companies for these big, 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 biggest of the big movies. Yeah, uh, and so I I always get excited when these action movies come from people who are stepping out of visual effects because yeah. I just love what they what they do. I, I think it's a really exciting. Um, uh, sort of trajectory for the resume. So I. <laughs> I'm no, I am really it, looking forward to it. It is. Well, same thing. I mean, you look at, you know, John Wick, you know, we've got yeah. some stunt guys that, you know, Stunts. okay. It's like, well, yeah, we can have a story, but people don't really care. They're here for the action. So let's just give them that and give us the best version of that. Right. And that's what I've seen with this Guns Akimbo is we don't need a story. Just give us some, you know, little framework of something of, oh, this poor pathetic loser and he's got guns strapped to his hands. Go have fun. Yeah. Yes, I will show up. It's Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> I'm there. John Wick. I was listening to another podcast and somebody said, how would you describe it? I haven't seen the end of John Wick. How would you describe it? And they they try to go about describing the plot of John Wick. And one of them says, wait a minute, wait, you're wasting time. John Wick kills everybody and gets a dog. Yeah. Move on to John Wick 2. <laughs> That's the end of it. That's it. That's all you need. That's all you yes. need. So, yes. uh, Guns Akimbo, what did we say in terms of when it comes out? Um, we get it. Well, it, it opened at Fantastic Fest, so that was the big thing. Ah, okay. uh, it has been cruising around uh, Toronto, Fantastic Fest. Um, it, it's uh, uh, Spain at the Stiges International Fantastic Film Festival. It's, it did Torino and Italy. Uh, but everybody else gets it in February. I'm going to say everybody. I mean, Russia, USA, get it in February. Iceland and Turkey get it in March and June, respectively. No other release dates. But for the U.S., 28 February 2020. Okay. Just around the go. corner. All right. Guns akimbo. I got the exact opposite. <laughs> I've got the exact <laughs> opposite of that. You've got big action movie that's gonna it's gonna be all over in theaters. People are gonna show up for this, have fun in February. I've got a film that Based on release date information, it's being released in the USA on February 21st, and that's it. That's me, it. That, that's it. So maybe three screens or maybe straight to video. I don't know. But this is a little film called The Night Clerk. And what caught my eye about this one is is the cast. When you have uh, Ty Sheridan 
playing a clerk, a hotel clerk, who is, I believe, probably somewhere on the autism spectrum somewhere. Uh, and apparently, I, I either this is the creepiest hotel or he is just obsessed with watching people and has planted cameras in all the rooms. But he basically watches people. And the, the setup is that he learns how to interact with people by watching people. And so he basically knows how to mimic what is appropriate social interactions. Then, of course, a murder happens. And when you have someone that does not function well and able to communicate well in stressful situations, of course, he's going to become your number one suspect. But mm -hmm. is he really is he just a witness to a crime? Is he being framed? What's going on? But we've got Ty Sheridan as uh, the lead in this, but also John Leguizamo, Helen Hunt, and Anna de Armas in this one. Uh, so this may be, I think, something that will hit streaming, but I love a film like this that... Uh, keeps a tight small story like this and the the suspensefulness of did he do it did he not do it this is from uh writer director michael christopher and who his name did not i thought okay this must be some new young guy oh no this this michael christopher is a pulitzer prize and tony award-winning writer for a broadway production of his play the shadow box back in like 1977 <gasps> the shadow box you know I the shadow was box in that play okay <laughs> wait a minute wait just a minute wait a minute okay this play was I you got to give me a second because I'm having a massive flashback right now. Okay, this was a huge part oh. of my. I played. I had my character. I had it was a hospice story. Everybody yes. was in a hospice. Yes, and the yes. caretakers were all there. And I was. Uh, I had uh, AIDS. I was dying of AIDS. That was my character. Okay, and I yeah. was in a hospice. It was. I was. I don't know. It was Mark or. Joe or something. I okay. think it was Mark. Yeah. Was, that is a great play. That was a... Yes. Wow. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Yeah. 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 When you win a Pulitzer and a Tony uh, yeah. for, for it, yeah, the, you've, you've got some, some cred there. But I thought, okay, that's great. But what has he done with film? So he directed... 20 years ago, he was doing movies. He did Original Sin... Which was Antonio really? Banderas and uh, what's her name? But I can't remember her name. Uh, uh, Melanie uh, Griffith? No, 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 no. no. This is one. no. That was a different one. This is the uh, Angelina Jolie. Angelina and Antonio, the, the other, the, the, the other <laughs> Melanie Griffith. <laughs> oh no! And then he did. Um, that was 2001. Then he did uh, Body Shots, 1999, which I remember the title, but don't know anything about it. And then it, he did the TV movie with um, Angelina Jolie about the uh, the fashion model, uh, Gia, in 98. Okay. So, but that's really it. So 2001, Original Sin, and then 2020, Night Clerk. So writing and directing it. So... Once I saw that, I'm a little bit more optimistic that this guy knows his way around a story. Uh, clearly, can he yeah. direct a film? Well, those those previous films, not disasters. So, uh, given small space of, we're probably set primarily in this hotel. I'm expecting some, you know, taut thriller suspense here, and uh, yeah, I I think it's a 
interesting cast. Um, you know, Ty Sheridan is, uh, there was another trailer I picked a little while ago, that one where it's with uh, Jeff Goldblum, like in the 50s, about the lobotomies and stuff. So he's picking very yeah. interesting things after this whole Ready Player One thing. So here's this young actor, I think sort of trying to find his footing in his career trajectory and, and trying out some different things. So this, you know, playing, you know, this character, you know, trying on something that's you know not the typical character and i'm I'm looking forward to it and when you've got a supporting cast with helen hunt and john leguizamo i think yeah okay we've, we've got some talent here i just hope this one comes together the release information maybe they just don't have distribution locked down yet i don't know that's my one thing that gives me a little hesitance about how successful this film is but i think this is this will be a fun little thriller yeah, no, I absolutely do. I am much more excited about this than I when, now that that name has been put together. Okay, that is awesome. I can't wait to see it, uh, and I, it, it's possible I'm more excited about yours than mine, <laughs> and I might be more excited about yours than mine. But there we go. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, okay, we don't have Andy, no. so we're not going to do our re ranking. And it, weirdly, we didn't have you. We didn't do re ranking yeah. last time. Uh, it's not all is not right in the world without a little re-ranking. But uh, we're going to skip that and we're going to go straight to our list of Hitchcock homages. Yes. That is what we're doing, right? And this was, Yes, this is from Foul Play, which Foul I have not play. I have not seen since I was in the 80s probably. Uh, but I this was like that Chevy, I don't know, it's like Chevy Chase, King of the Movies in the early 80s type of thing with, you know, Fletch and this. And well, you got to know, though, this was yeah. his first film. Oh, that's right. So he was not that's, yet King that, of the 80s. That's true. But movies. this was, yeah, yeah so. but this was, uh, yeah. This and in was, fact, he's not in it all that much, which is really funny. Like, he doesn't really come, become sort of central to it to, yeah. until halfway through the movie, which is, right. which is, uh, which is fun. And, and yeah. he plays... You can tell he hasn't quite figured out his like his oh, identity on screen yeah. yet. It's getting there. He's yeah. getting there. But there are some moments of clarity of uh, Chevy Chase that are interesting to watch in this film. I found it. But having nostalgic. not seen the movie in probably yeah. 30 odd years, the fact that when you mention this, I remember the albino and I remember mm -hmm. Kojak, bang, bang. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty Project much Bang all Bang. I, <laughs> I remember that until my brother reminded me about the women playing Scrabble, the elderly women playing Scrabble yeah. scene, yeah. which I thought, oh, my gosh, I need to I need to sit down and rewatch this whole thing again. Yeah. Well, so, in both of these movies, yeah. Silver Streak and, yeah. and Foul Play yeah. both have a bent for for sort of Hitchcockian style. Yes. And that that's yes. where we came through. Yeah. We came to this like this yeah. is, a, you know, it's it's got some funny. It's got some thriller. It's got some um uh, it's got suspense. It's got some some clever use of of camera, and it's really tropey. Right? <laughs> yes. All kinds yes. of tropes that it, yes. it, you know. And and if you listen to the show, you'll hear Colin's trope corner, uh, where we just sort of <laughs> run down the tropes that Colin Higgins is using in his movies uh, and scripts. So it's it's been uh, it's been really fun. But uh, that one won uh, by a mile. Uh, yeah. Hitchcock oh, homages yeah. for the list this week. And I now that I say that, I don't even remember who was there. 
anything else that we even cared about um, for uh, this. It was the uh, Hitchcock homages, which won the recurring bit character because we had Dudley oh. Moore. Uh, oh, yes. Who yeah. Plays the sex addict <laughs> and ends up being the conductor of the orchestra at the end, which is charming <laughs> and funny. And then the planned evidence MacGuffin, right? He oh, slips yeah. the film into the cigarettes in the purse. Yeah. And, and that becomes the thing that we think we're supposed to care about. So uh, those were the three that we chose. It ended up winning uh, Hitchcock homages. And so we have some films. I really struggled with this list because my favorite movies that are shot and clearly reference uh, the tools of Alfred Hitchcock, we've already done. And so uh, um, there there are a couple that are out there that, that we haven't. One that I've already used as a pick on uh, Saturday matinee. So I'm, I struggled uh, a little bit with this, with the ones that I've seen. Okay. Um, clearly, there are a lot more than I haven't seen. So I hope we end up building a good list. I'm looking to you to give me some new things to watch. Oh, okay. I'll see what I can do. Because this was <laughs> it was it was a challenge because w- there's there's it's an almost almost overused term of like oh it's Hitchcockian and it's I saw several lists where it's like oh these films are Hitchcockian and I looked at I said what are you talking about just because a film has some type of suspense thrill to it or something yeah. doesn't make it Hitchcockian or or people will take one of his one of his little elements and say well oh here's this thing oh well Hitchcock had this thing for blondes and here's this blonde in peril and I'm like that does not make it a Hitchcockian film people there's there's a little bit more complex to it i think yeah. and so but then the homage piece is yeah there there was one there were one or two that came right to mind that i thought about and then there were others where i i had to do a little bit of digging and refresh my memory on some where i'd say yes i remember seeing this and feeling yeah this feels like a hitchcockian type of thing so it's when i when you say homage I, it almost my first thought was oh it's like a direct reference to Hitchcock. And I have one that's really solid in that realm, but the rest are sort of more fallen the it's it's a Hitchcockian style without maybe direct reference, or I couldn't draw like parallels and say, oh, this is reflective of this Hitchcock moment versus a film that might just feel like if Hitch had been around, this might be a project he would take it out. And so I've got a couple that sort of fall into that that camp so that's Mm -hmm. that was the balancing act i had to go with because there was somewhere i thought i'll have to watch a lot of movies to see like i remember this having that feel but is it really directly referencing hitchcock and i just you know i was watching hard to be a god i didn't have time to watch other things was watching Hard to Be a God again. Yeah, yeah, yeah for 45 uh, minutes. So start us <laughs> off. So, all right. Well, I'm going to start in, in 1963. Uh, and I'm going to, this, this, I, you could even call this a cheat because it is, uh, I think, you know, in reading up on it in particular, it is referred to quite literally as the best Hitchcock movie that Hitchcock never made. Okay. It is starring the people that you would expect to see in a Hitchcock movie. Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn, Walter Matthau, James, James Coburn, Henry Mancini does the music. Uh, and it is uh, directed by not Hitchcock. Stanley Donen yes. uh, directed the film. <laughs> it is Charade. Yes. Yeah. Opening with Charade. You know, we're going to 
it, it, it is a movie that does all of the things that I expect from a Hitchcock movie so much so that I am one of the people who for many years counted Charade as a Hitchcock movie, not knowing, in fact, that it was not, not <laughs> directed by Hitchcock. So I'm going to eat that one and out myself as one of the boobs that didn't get it. Uh, it it's, a, it's a terrific movie and it's worth seeing. And uh, even if Hitchcock didn't do it. So, oh my gosh, that, that that movie is so much fun. I think I I had not seen that, and I think we had been married maybe three or four years when my wife found out I had not seen Charade, and she said, "What? What? You're a movie person. How have you not seen this movie?" <laughs> I said, "I don't know, Walter Matthau. I don't know. We're what went to the library, found it, watched it. I love that movie. So, you yes, know, I'm, you I'm know glad." What you should- you should watch it like um, after you watch Marriage Story on Netflix. <laughs> go watch Charade because, especially if you're married, yes, you, it's a different kind of marriage story, and yes. you'll just feel better about everything. <laughs> okay, there we All right, go. What's yours? All right, so if there's somebody that's gonna that you look look at a film and say, "Well, gosh, they just want to be Hitchcock," um, one director that will always come to mind for me is Brian De Palma. And if you're gonna do a direct Hitchcock homage, and this is, I think I saw Body Double when I was working in the video store at high school, and had just seen Rear Window probably just a few months earlier than that. And so when you have a character who's basically tasked with watching, you know, the neighbor across the way and sees a murder, and is it real or is it not? And then De Palma takes it in a complete completely just he takes the things into crazy directions but for me this whole setup the premise of body double of watching the woman nearby and seeing you know horrible things happen is a direct homage to to rear window and i think so much of uh de palma's work and i i had to debate do i include other de palma films on there because i think there are many other films he has done that you can see the direct influence of hitchcock and so so many of his earlier films i think are an homage to those mm-hmm. but if i was get, if i Pick one I'm going to start with, Body Double. That's, for me, a good entry point into De Palma. Uh, If you haven't seen it, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but it is, for me, really captures that homage. Yeah, no, I think this is a great pick. I mean, when you talk about, I I think those those two things that Hitchcock does really well, one is just like not, it's not so much about the jump scares, but about building suspense. and, And the fact that the audience is in on it, Mm-hmm. Uh, in in ways that that you know in a normal sort of suspense thriller the audience is not like that's the 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 whole idea that we are our voyeurs right uh, yes I, I think is a is a real Hitchcockian thing so uh, I'm I think that's a great pick uh, mine I am going to go to 1975 um, I think this is the first uh, political. Uh, I, I think uh, I should say a political spy thriller that uh, my parents deeply wanted to show me as a, a kid coming of age in learning about film. It is a Sidney Pollock uh, film. It was uh, written by, uh, was based on the novel by James Grady, written by Lorenzo Semple Jr. Stars Robert Redford, Faye Dunaway, Cliff Robertson. It is Three Days of the Condor. Um, when you look at the the unsuspecting uh, boob getting caught up in a story that is much bigger than his pay grade. That is, for me, this movie. This movie treads, uh, I-, I think, uh, kind of a fine line because he already works for, uh, you know, the government. But 
who he can like discovering who he can trust that is you know we're on team uh redford in this movie we're on we're on team turner and uh it is it's our job together to figure out who we can trust and who we can't and and i think that's a um that is another hitchcockian thing for me so three days of condor oh great 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 film and you're working your way chronologically interesting i'm trying i'm trying so am i I'm Excellent. Gonna, I'm only jumping forward a couple of years because uh, when I when I think of Hitchcock, one of the elements that uh, I think you guys talked about it when you were discussing this is a is a possible you know topic is that mm-hmm. idea sort of like the 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 ordinary person, the everyday man that yeah. you know gets drawn into some really complex you know criminal element. There's, there's this seedy underworld, something going on that this just regular Joe gets drawn into. And for me, uh, my second pick is a great example of seeing this as a teenager. It was a pretty disturbing film, but the idea that, you know, you just might be walking through a field and find a severed human ear could lead you into a really disturbing world of with Isabella Rossellini and Dennis Hopper in David Lynch's Blue Velvet with good old, uh, you know, Kyle McLaughlin as our poor, innocent, you know, suburban kid discovering the darkness that, you know, is going on in his community. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, and man, I can't look at Kyle McLaughlin and not think that movie did something to your career, man. Oh, yes. <laughs> that movie. You took a hard left turn uh, from, from there on out. Uh, that's a great pick. Um, my final uh, pick is this is the one that I have uh, I've used before. This is a, a little bit of a retread. And I now that I say it, I can't remember what we were. I haven't gotten that far in my uh, databasing project. For Saturday matinee, maybe you remember. Oh. Um, it, it is a, a film from 2008, and if if you would have told me, "Hey Pete, you're going to repeat pick a Woody Harrelson movie uh, on Saturday matinee," I would have been shocked. But I'm going to do it. It's Trans Siberian. Uh, it takes us on a train. It is a, a train journey from China to Moscow. It is uh, there is a murder. There uh, the our American couple uh, encounters mysterious travelers. There is mistaken identity. There is identity switching. There is Ben Kingsley. Come on, like it it uh, it it has a, a lot of the um, the sort of Hitchcock. Um, a celebration of Hitchcock, the the audiences voyeur, the MacGuffin, the it's hypersexualized. Um, it it is, um, it, and there's lots of murder on a train. It's also really beautiful, and the reason I I like it, even though it's not like my very favorite thriller suspense movie, it's a it's beautifully architected the way they use the train in uh, in the world around it. And so um, I think it's if you haven't seen this, is the one of all of these that, uh, as I was telling some friends my list, nobody had seen. Uh, I, I do think it's worth seeing. And it is, it ably clears the six-star rule on IMDb. Uh, so uh, if you haven't checked out Siber- Trans-Siberian, it's uh, it's worth looking at. All right, I'm in Letterboxd right now, adding it to my... <laughs> <laughs> my l- growing list of movies people keep telling me to watch because if you're going to mention it twice it's weird right I, then, you know, then it's something point, I, I need to see yeah i mean yeah. it came out in 2008 i it's it's probably one that i need to get back on my list and actually write the letterbox review and make sure that i still agree with myself of 2008 because uh i have fond memories of it but you know how that goes so 
But you got the you got the the you know, IMDb stars to back you up there. That yep. it's not it's not a guilty pleasure. It's one that no definitely yeah. yeah. Uh, it's legit. It's a legit pleasure. Uh, okay. So wait a minute. Let me just look up on IMDb. Child forty four. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a 6.5, Steve. So I'm worried what? about the whole rule. <laughs> anyway, what's your last pick? Okay, my last pick is uh, let's see, what year is this one? I think, you know, I think I'm doomed to stay in the 80s with this one. Uh, yep, I'm just going in two year increments. That's what I'm doing. I'm moving from 1986 <laughs> to 1988. Um, and this is one that. When I saw this in the theater, it was the first time I felt like the a filmmaker really effectively was able to convey the mood and sort of mindset of a character. And I don't know if it was the music, if it was just the the, the color palette in the film, but this is frantic with Harrison Ford where, you know, that jet lagged feeling and he wakes up and his wife is gone and he's disoriented. And somehow Polanski just was able to do that in a way where I was going along with the story, but I could just really empathize with the state of mind and that haziness uh, that, that Harrison Ford is in and trying to find out what's going on. I'm in a foreign country and trying to find things. And it, it's just that, uh, that, worked really well for me and for some reason it just felt like very much a unfinished like a project that hitchcock would have latched onto of this guy trying to find his wife and and all the problems and struggles of of doing that and getting involved in all kinds of craziness and doing ridiculous things i, I think one as i was looking at this one somebody said hey you know if it wasn't for this movie you know we might not have you know liam neeson movies like taken and you know what whatever this sort of was that first primal one of i'm taking on this entire city trying to find my wife you know what else we wouldn't have what's that i think you do steve Oh, no. Like Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic. Like Sting, I'm tantric. Like Snickers, guaranteed to satisfy. I'm just saying it's possible, it's possible. the entire Bare Naked Ladies catalog hinges not, on, on this on, movie. On this movie. Okay, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Uh, that is another great pick. And yeah. I. it's, uh, you know, it's another one of those. See it for See it for Harrison. Yeah. See it for uh, Emmanuel Seigneur. See it for Betty yeah. Buckley. Don't see it for Polanski. We get it. Right. Yes, exactly. We get it. Okay. All right. That was a good list, actually. I'm I'm impressed yeah. with that list. That's of all good, of those. Good, good list. Yeah. Yeah. Nice work. Uh, next week, I, I am sure that you will be con able to contribute to the theme for next week, right? Because it is the classic 9 to 5. How many times did you watch 9 to 5 when you were working in the video store? A lot, uh, right? Not when I was working in the video store. It was like when we first got cable. TV like HBO I remember that being on a lot and I yeah. just and I remember being finding lots of it entertaining but thinking I don't know this isn't a movie for kids because <laughs> there were lots <laughs> of there, well there were lots of well there were lots of things I didn't get to like later on where I'm realizing oh the character that Jane Fonda is playing because I did not have any concept of Jane Fonda as a social figure of who she was uh, you know I did not know anything about Barbarella and then Vietnam and Jane Fonda and all of that so yes there's there's it's been a long time, but I, I know the story. I know the story, but uh, it's it's been a while because it's just 
I don't know. I, I, I'm afraid to, 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 I guess, bring up, I don't know, childhood, you know, I don't know, memories of this movie. I don't know. It's, it seems like a very adult thing because they, don't they like, they trap their, they attach them to a garage door opener and they've got, I mean, there's crazy stuff going on in this movie. Yeah, it's possible there are garage door opener hijinks <laughs> okay. that work in this movie. It's possible that that happens. They do. Uh, it is, it deals with, um, you know, there there are all the tr- the uh, issues that we hear about in offices today. It's not yes. gotten a lot better. So, uh, so sexual too, harassment. Yes. Uh, uh, mansplaining, boss-splaining. It is, it, like, maybe that's our first one, is other Me Too films. Films yeah. that, that embody, um, uh, you know, Me Too, the Me Too movement. Yeah. Okay, okay. so hashtag Me Too movies. Yep. Uh, okay, so we've got Me Too movies. We've got... Um, what else do we have going on? Uh, kidnapping movies. I was saying kidnap. Gr- yes, yes, kidnapping. Yes. Uh, do we want to put any sort of any sort of limit around that? Great kidnapping comedies or just kidnapping yeah. movies? No, I think comedies. I think you got to keep it. Okay. Is great. It, is, no, yeah, I've already got keep it, my keep favorites. Keep it lighter. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, great kidnapping comedies. And what is that last one? The one that is, we could just say Dabney Coleman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> great Dabney Coleman movies of the great. 80s there you that's go right. that's right um, some real oh. yeah uh, let's see uh, is there something related to hanging actors with or without the garage door apparatus <laughs> uh, uh, well, what, what to... about um, I mean so the kidnapping is that one part of it, but I guess we've got the me too thing and maybe these are all get interconnected but I mean it's a whole like I know, like mutiny or revenge type thing. I mean, it's this whole like uprising type of piece. Okay, to okay. it as well. Yeah, right. Because that, that's their the, whole thing the of like office get place mutiny. Film. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Because I, I think that's important. Because we don't want to do like real like mutiny on a pirate no, ship. No, that's no, boring. No, no. That's boring. Office but like, yeah, mutiny space, films. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Let's try it. I think. Okay. Challenging, actually. Yeah. Don't tell them that. That's that's what they're going to vote for. I screwed up. I did. Yeah, you did. I, oh, yeah. I edit this thing. I'm going to cut oh. that. <laughs> I'm just going to beat go. myself out. <laughs> Take that, Perfect. listeners. All right. Yeah. Office <laughs> mutiny movies, great kidnapping comedies, and Me Too movies. Okay. Uh, that is what we're doing next week. So, uh, a good list. Thanks, everybody, yeah. for keeping up. And um, uh, thank you all for supporting the show. If you haven't considered supporting the show over at patreon.com uh, slash the next reel, we would invite you to do that. If you are a regular listener, it, it uh, for a few bucks, you get access to some fun things. You get access to the live stream of our recording sessions, and uh, you uh, get access to the uh, Discord digital community uh, online where you can come in and talk to other film fans about uh, what they love about their movies. Uh, and you can, uh, you're buying yourself a great night's sleep that you are supporting the world of independent podcasting by helping us to pay for the cost of producing the show. So we deeply appreciate your participation. Patreon.com slash the next reel. 
You know how else they can support us, Pete? You know what they can do? Please, would you do this one? Tell us. They can can go to thenextreel.com slash merch. (laughs) Get some merch. Slash merch. Get some merch because I just just made my watch. Well, I didn't make her. I said, hey, you know, I think you might really enjoy watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we we sort of talked about the the Tarantinty aspects of of that. because she was she was pleasantly surprised. She said, you know, it does get gory and violent, but she said it's not as she's like, Kill Bill is just comical fun, but you know, like Django and Hate Flight, she's like, those got really uncomfortable. It was it was like a little bit much for me. And she said, I can handle the two to three minutes in this. And yeah, we we talked a little bit about Tarantinti's violence. And so they can Ugh. pick up their they can pick up their Tarantin t shirt or they can pick up their I am patient zero because that's a great way to start the year of being patient zero for the year. Steve, you're so good at that. You should do all of our merch pitches. There we go. Oh, and we we I see we've even got the green Marvel movie minute for season two of the we Marvel do. movie minute. We got uh, and, our Hulk Hulk out. Yes, that's right. And if you haven't uh, gone into your, uh, it's on a different feed, so you have to actually yeah. go into your podcast app of choice and search for the Marvel movie minute. But uh, our our last hiatus episode has been released, and uh, so you can hear about plans for uh, the next season talking about uh, the uh, Incredible Hulk, and you can hear about uh, the (laughs) classic... Classic Eric Bana performance of uh, in the Ang Lee Hulk as he takes on the Gamma Dogs. That is our last hiatus episode. We did talk about that, the Ang Lee Hulk. And um, I, I, I think we gave it some we gave it some love. We gave it we definitely gave it some love. Not minute by minute love, but <laughs> enough love. Enough love. So check that out. That's coming. And uh, there will be new merch available for Marvel Movie Minute for season two. That is coming. I have it on good authority that I'll get the art on Monday. As oh, we excellent. This. So that's very right. exciting. Very exciting. All right. Let's put a fork in it, Steve. It's been great to talk to you. Happy New Year. Hondo. Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well. 